Welcome to BIV Today. I'm reporter Tyler Orton. And it was almost exactly two years ago that we saw the launch of the Vancouver Titans. It's an esports franchise right here on the West Coast. High profile names like the Aquilinis count themselves among the investors in these gamers that are battling it out in the Overwatch League. And now, this month, the Vancouver Economic Commission has just released a new report examining the city's prospects at becoming a major hub for this emerging trend in gaming. With us today is Sean Caldera. He is the VEC's esports coordinator. Sean, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Tyler. So I think some folks out there that might just conflate esports with gaming how would you, though, describe esports to anyone not really in the know at this point? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, the world between traditional sports and uh, emerging sports such as esports, uh, it may be a little hard to connect the dots on saying what's the difference between gaming and esports. Uh, it's much like the difference between, you know, let's go play catch with a football or, you know, I'm going to go make a career being a linebacker. Uh, the same thing in gaming, right? It's I can I can game with you and any game of your choice, and we can have some fun, you know, chat online, uh, make a whole little thing about it, and make it an entertaining time. Uh, but the moment you introduce a more competitive edge to it, you know, you uh, introduce sponsorships, career prospect, money. That's when it becomes esports. And one thing I didn't mention. Um, that is integral for an esport to be an esport is to have these huge organic grassroots communities that follow the competitive growth of it. Uh, so much like any traditional sport out there, uh, whether it be, you know, ultimate Frisbee to, uh, you know, basketball to soccer, they all have their niche casual markets. And those could be considered what you call the casual gamer, which is like the 95% um, of, of the market. Uh, that plays video games and uh, the the hard harder cores or the people who want to be creating that career that's what the esports can be conflated to uh could be equated to uh, actually is those more competitive professional people i'm thinking back to say league of legends at pacific coliseum or the international dota 2 at rogers that was a few years ago we're actually able to fill arenas here uh, of people that want to go and watch this and watch people compete in gaming, right? Well, and that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's become such an, uh, I wouldn't say an overnight sensation, but one of the quickest, like the fastest growing industries of it of our time um, has been esports. And a big part of it has been the esports tourism aspect of it. Um, and the event aspect prior to the ongoing health crisis, uh, we were seeing a lot of Vancouver dipping its toes into it, not just with the Dota 2 International Tournament that came in, uh, but with the uh, North American uh, League Championship Series in 2017. And those were both arena selling events, um, people from all around the world coming to Vancouver to watch people play a video game. Um, for some big, big money, uh, for some amazing views, and to grow their community further. Well, let's talk about it. You guys have a new report out, uh, just came out last week. And what is it going to take to make Vancouver like a big global hub in esports? Well, you know, that's the thing, Tyler, is that we have... You know, I'm I'm a I'm a Richmond-born, uh, you know, a guy, you know, I've spent most of my 
childhood and my young adulthood in Vancouver. Um, but I've been all across the province. And so the thing that sets Vancouver apart from not only other cities in the province, but I think other cities in Canada to become the leading global esports hub for this country is that it has all the moving parts, all the right parts right now, you know, um, it, any aspect from both the scholastic to the business side, to the investment scape, to the tech, like in that report, we list all those functioning levers that are needed for an ecosystem to sustain itself and to grow. And Vancouver has it. The next step though, is to bring them all together and have them talking even more than now, you know, right now it's been that early stage of saying, Hey, we're making this report and we need your input we need to understand what's going on the next step is that call to action as outlined um, a few times in the report there's different calls to action but actually actuating on that and having these groups start seeing where they can work together you know where their priorities and objectives line up and taking a look at also what other successful esports cities are doing and so that big thing is all the ingredients are there. Now we just have to, you know, bake that cake. So one of the things that you guys note here in the report, though, is that we can try to make the local ecosystem around esports a little bit more cohesive. What would that entail? Yeah, so <clears throat> cohesiveness of the esports ecosystem is dependent on a few things. Um, a big part is the communication between groups um, and by groups, you know, I mean, uh, different, different regions. So even uh, the difference between Burnaby's esports uh, scene is different than Richmond's esports scenes, different than Metro Vancouver's esports scene. And in order for cohesion to happen, uh, all those different scenes need to be communicating uh, at a very frequent pace, because if one group is doing an event, and another group's doing an event and they haven't talked and they line up on the same day. It's almost like there's a little bit of this cannibalism uh, that happens for a market. And so uh, that that's very frequent, not in BC, but anywhere and around the world, you know, you will have these grassroots esports stuff and these communities and large events happen on the same day. And so for cohesion, it's going to be that communicative process where these regions are talking to each other and seeing how they can complement each other best. So that's from that, that kind of uh, community or region to region communication within regions. Uh, there has to be a lot of understanding of what everyone's strengths are, because right now you may have an event organizer who wants to throw an ambitious tournament um, and they may not know that, you know, Vancouver is home to a, a events platforms like Pepper or Battlefy, which can manage these large scale events. Um, and, and that still happens where they end up utilizing uh, either platforms that aren't within our ecosystem or they, they kind of flounder and get lost. <clears throat> and so I think that cohesion is also that interregional or that, uh, yeah, the interregional communication uh, or rather the inter-ecosystem uh, communication where these groups are understanding what they're good at and then they're able to say, okay, I'm good at this. You're good at that. How can we build something better together? Um, and the last thing is also understanding what, what the future is going to need, right? Uh, a lot of people get into esports thinking, okay, I'm going to just 
get into this, but then they realize there's so much that goes into esports. Either you're not just playing a game, right? It's you could be building content, you could be organizing a team like the Vancouver Titans, you could be going into it from the investment side, uh, you could be going into it from the tech side. And so part of that cohesion is also making the public aware of the opportunities that esports provides. You know, it's not just us getting into the support and saying, hey, just play more video games. It's more so take a look at this emerging industry that is tied to a video game or multiple video games that are extremely popular. Um, but it's more than that. It's it's to approach it as a tech um, kind of focus and taking a look at where all these verticals from other industries can feed into esports. Okay, so this it seems like an obvious question, but what are some of the benefits if Vancouver kind of pursues a strategy and really tries to become more of that uh, global hub in terms of esports? Yeah, I think um, benefits right now are with the with the health crisis we have right now. I think one of the biggest things is is our talent, you know, increasing. We're in an increasingly digital era. We're in an increasingly online world. I mean, that's something you hear everyone say, but it's it is very true, right? Where you have more and more people utilizing an online community or trying to engage with online groups, education and teaching going into that realm. And what's going to happen is that if we focus more on esports and acceptance of it and uh, rather the uh, legitimization of it in various levels, uh, we're going to start seeing more, I guess, tech literate uh, individuals who are able to grow their skills within an industry they like. And I'm mainly aiming this as at the younger, you know, younger audiences, right? They log into Twitch, they're on social media platforms, they're engaging and playing these games, and they're building a ton of skills, um, as I said, you know, either from broadcast or tech, just because it's related to video games. Um, I'll give you a quick example, right? It's like content creators or people who broadcast on platforms such as Twitch and YouTube. Um, a lot of their skills are self-taught. And a lot of these skills um, are broadcast skills that can be taken easily into um, other broadcast areas, uh, such as journalism or such as news production and stuff like that, which are markets that are trying to pivot and be future-proofed, right? And so that's just a very you know close-to-home example of how what, one of the benefits of increasing that talent pipeline other benefits for Vancouver for a, you know, a post health crisis kind of world is that with us taking action now, as we come out of COVID, we're going to be able to engage publishers who make these esports titles and say, hey, listen, we've done this work. Now we're ready to host events. We're ready to reopen things again and we're better prepped than other cities. Um, and this report is a big part of it because excuse me, it shows the level of support we have from our government uh, to kind of corner the market from that kind of snake. So that benefit of increased tourism post-health crisis, um, having events, again, live events that are um, both benefiting our local market and enticing um, international markets to come in. And I think the third big benefit, one of the third big benefits, I think, at the top of my head right now is uh, the fact that we're going to be able to see um, just a lot of the talent and businesses here already in Vancouver 
be able to be marketed at a world uh, at a large like a world stage right right now there's so many companies it's like there seems to be an esports company that pops up um almost on a weekly basis in vancouver I, i've uh, been getting the press releases i i, I believe you yes yeah and, and there's so much hard work that goes into it right and i think that a lot of those businesses are run by extremely talented um and and brilliant minds but also we've noticed that there's uh, there seems to be an age trend where they're they're quite young and um, they may be experts at esports, but they may not be experts at business. You know, at, at marketing to a domestic or international um, kind of scale. And so, with the support and with the uh, the world's kind of eyes on us now, at, as an esports hub, we're going to be able to have access to larger markets than what our businesses were kind of used to. And I think we're going to be able to give them that leg up that they all deserve and the support they deserve. You mentioned the health crisis. We have the pandemic going on. When I first started covering esports for the paper, I would speak to UBC students that would have like big parties to, you know, watch uh, games go down. I mentioned the arenas. It's very much a communal experience, even though people may not associate that with gaming. How has the pandemic kind of affected the community? Is there still kind of that, I guess, thrill that people are getting? Is it going to just explode that much more when we have mass vaccinations and people can gather again? Yeah. So like, I, I think, yeah, that there's two parts to that, right? Is that how is it going now and how is it going to go after? So how is it going now? It's uh, It was actually... It was interesting. I mean, I never anticipated to to live through one of these, um, but uh, I here we are. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. When I started my career in esports, um, I look back and I realized, you know, last year, like, wow, I this is this is an industry that that isn't going to skip a beat, you know, it, regardless. Because during the pandemic, uh, content in esports, the the consumption, I forget the percentage, but it, it I believe it nearly like triplicated doubled it was uh, it was nuts and so that's just from a content perspective on how much people were consuming gaming content you know people going to twitch and youtube more and more and more and people were also gaming more too right because what else could you do besides work and and uh, spend time with the people already in your household right gaming was a way for people and is still a way for people to connect um, we saw games, a uh, good example, a game like uh, called Valheim, a uh, survival game, which is almost has some Fortnite aspects to it, but is still largely a survival based game, although not an eSport. Um, they launched on February 9th officially, and I think they're already at 3 million users, right? Oh. At, <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? Is that it, you're, you're able to see communities, even for a game that's launched a you know like two weeks ago kind of develop on mass um in in just a few weeks and so that is the level of momentum we see also uh in, in other games and so that's why i think uh, during the pandemic esports was able to keep on going is because it didn't although the co- the communal aspect you know the physical event going was hurt people's desire to continue gaming and to continue getting better at video games or to continue growing their communities or to keep on streaming or creating their content or whatever have you, that wasn't hurt by staying at home. In fact, it gave them more time to focus on that. Now, in a post-COVID world, 
um, I know I touched upon it before, but what's interesting is that we're going to have all these really talented people who spent their time building their esports careers and their businesses and their organizations up. I think it's only going to bode uh, as best as it could. Um, I think it's going to be better than um, pre-COVID where we're going to have events where we can rely on local talent so much more. You know, we can have production quality that is even better than before. Um, tournament organizers who are much more experienced at handling online events, they'll look at a physical event and be like, oh my gosh, now I don't have to depend on an event where someone's internet connection is the, uh, you know, the common denominator, right? People are actually face-to-face again and I can, I can be there. And so I think that it's almost like this uh, online world has been a, a stress test for what we are capable of doing uh, for the future. Do you get the sense in that post-COVID world that there's just this pent-up demand for that kind of uh, going into those physical locations, interacting with people like face-to-face versus, you know, online? 100%. 100%. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, If you go into any esports community that has had local grassroots or just any type of local event or physical event, people are counting down the days. They're waiting. They're, They're waiting for it, you know, because... A physical event brings the benefits of low latency. It brings the benefits of that face-to-face. You know, these events are like any other event for any other fan base, right? It's it's a way to keep that community and those friendships going. And uh, people miss each other. You know, they, they care about each other. And video games is a way for people to connect with each other. I mean, um, and even though they may be able to connect online... Nothing beats being able to, you know, connect with your friends face to face. I gotta ask. I'm curious. How did you make a career out of esports? Um, yeah. So uh, it was funny. Uh, it, it's an interesting origin story. Uh, so I was studying biomedical uh, biomedical uh, studies um, up north at uh, UNBC, and then um, I had an undiagnosed gut tumor that kind of put me out of commission. And so I couldn't really do too much because uh, I was kind of stuck in the medical system <laughs> and I was up north. right? I was I was all the way away from Vancouver, uh, family doctors back home and stuff like that. And so I was thinking, you know, it, it's it's a scary moment when your health takes a turn like that uh, and you don't know what's going on and you're getting a bunch of answers. And so you think, OK, what's the craziest thing I could do? And this was back in 2015, 2014, actually. Um, when I kind of started getting into esports, um, and I said, you know, it'd be crazy if I could build something where I physically did not have to be there, um, or where I physically it wasn't as taxing, because that the effect the tumor was having on my body. And so, when we had it removed and uh, came back, you know, cancer free and all that stuff, um, it kind of gave me that new lease on life. And I realized, you know what, this is this is something that's going to be the future because as people grow into a world where we are focusing more on what we want to be doing with our lives and, and utilizing the internet and online communities to benefit and grow our local communities. I saw esports as a way for that to happen, you know, and especially to also inspire the youth. And so um, that's kind of where I started is started up North in uh, many years ago and running tournaments started uh, creating new programs and uh, here I am you know after after a long journey of learning pretty much everything I can in the trade you can only pick one what, what's your go-to game 
That's a tough one, I know. Yeah, geez. <laughs> okay, and as I said, it changes, but my go-to eSport is Star Wars Squadrons. There's nothing that beats flying an X-Wing and, uh, you know, destroying a Imperial Star Destroyer while a bunch of TIE fighters are screeching after you. I, that, that it's, it's an amazing experience. Uh, I, I think that's my go-to one. Well, why don't we leave it off on this? Uh, one of the things that the report looks into are other, you know, esports cities. And I'm just wondering, it, it, broadly speaking, like, what do you, what can we learn from those other cities as they pursue their own esports hub sort of status and how that could possibly be applied to here in Vancouver? Mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest things is the mainstream acceptance uh, of esports. Um and what I mean by that is, yeah, mainstream esports is is in the limelight and all that, but from a community standpoint, um, the the schools, policymakers, parents, decision makers of all aspects of life are more pro esports, and it's you know part of it's due to those cities having been in the space for so long. Um, these are cities that have been in esports since the early 2000s. So they've had time to go through all the growing pains that other cities may face. But Vancouver's in a really good position because we know where those cities are now. Uh, we're almost in that adolescent phase where we ha- have the policymakers like the federal government um, and groups like the Vancouver Economic Commission supporting esports. We're starting to see more schools get into esports and make it an official league. I think the, what we can learn now is how do we integrate esports better into our municipal uh, communities? How do we integrate into a provincial body? You know, how do we legitimize it from those ways and make it mirror traditional sports? I think that's what a lot of other cities outside of North America are able to do. Um, that's what leads to their success. And that's what also attracts publishers um, because these people who make these games that become esports, they're looking for the communities that support them. And I think if Vancouver can promote itself as a city that says publishers, one and all, like we have an amazing um, VR, um, we have amazing VR AR ecosystem, we have amazing film industry. Our indie games market and games development market from tri- indie to AAA is, is fantastic. Why why can't we just also be uh, a number one esports cluster? We have everything else. Uh, and so I think by learning at those few little things that I think Vancouver um, can play catch up with, with some of the bigger cities, we'll be well on our way to being a lead in uh, esports hub. Well, I think it's fascinating. I, I believe you when you say that Vancouver definitely has the potential to pursue this and it's going to be see it like unfold in the coming years. I, I, I just, I'm looking forward to when we're all vaccinated, we can all go out. Uh, I'm with you. There, there's just this pent up demand for this to explode. So it's going to be great to watch. But um, for now, Sean, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I really appreciate this. And um, I'm looking forward to growing our esports ecosystem even more. Well, that is Sean Caldera. He is the VEC's eSports coordinator, and that is it for the show today. But we will be back tomorrow. Until then, you can go to BIV.com for more stories and more interviews there. For now, I'm Tyler Orton, and thank you all for listening. 